0: Welcome, everybody, to 15-Minute Folio. My name is Kevin. This is the, I guess you would say, official start of 15-Minute Folio. If you've been listening the last two weeks, you know, I initially started this as 5-Minute Folio. But I um, found it hard to restrict myself to just the 5-Minute uh, Limit. Um, so I changed it to 15-Minutes. And the irony is, today... I might stick to that five minutes orig- from the original. So I don't know. Uh, today has no performance. Um, it's really just me. I, I want to shine a light on one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. One that is kind of a, a hidden gem, if you will. Um, it is. I like to equate it to it's that band that is really, really good. But, like, no one knows who they are except for a small, like, hardcore group. And you feel conflicted because you feel really cool that, like, oh, I have this secret that's awesome and it's mine. (laughs) You know, but at the same time, you want people to recognize, you want everyone to recognize how amazing it is. Um but then, will it still be special and cool and wonderful when everyone knows it and everyone's doing it? Um, this play, I don't think, has that problem. Maybe one day it will, but I, I doubt it. Um, the play, of course, if you've read the title of this episode, is Richard the Second. Um, I discovered Richard the Second um, years ago. When the BBC was doing, when for in kind of conjuncture with them having the London Olympics, they were also doing uh, the histories uh, as part of their Hollow Crown series. They did uh, the whole Henriette, so they did, which is the history plays of Shakespeare, from Richard the through Henry the Fourth, Part One, Part Two, and then Henry the and what made that special was in Henry the Fourth, they had uh, Loki himself, Tom Hiddleston, uh, playing uh, Prince Hal, a young Prince Hal, young-ish Prince Hal, if you will. Um, and in Henry V, he plays the grown-up Prince Hal, who's now king, King Henry. Um, and Richard the is essentially the prologue to that whole story. It really tells the story of how King Henry the came to be so let me it, it has a problem with you know before I get into that, let me continue on why this play came into my how this play came into my life and why I love it um so, as I said, I discovered it in the Hollow Crown series. Richard was played by uh the great uh Ben Winshaw uh Ben Wishaw. I, I can I, I never remember if it's Winshaw or Wishaw or something else. Um, but you know who I'm talking about. I'm assuming you know who I'm talking about. The guy who plays Q in the new James Bond movies. Um but he played it masterfully uh, to the point now where I can't see any other production without imagining him. Um, and I, lo- I thought, like, Henry V, or I mean, m- my favorite history play, like, of all of them, is I mean, this is kind of among Shakespeare nerds, this is the like, oh, who's your favorite superhero? Superman? Batman? <laughs> oh, really? How, how original In the music world would be like oh who, who do you think is who's your favorite band the beatles oh well really original you know so <laughs> but my favorite history play is henry the fourth part one um and i never thought anything would come close but i saw richard the second and I watched it more times than any other play in that first series. They did make eventually a second series that tracks Henry VI, part one, two, three, uh, which covers the War of the Roses, and then Richard III. Uh, it looks like I've already passed the five-minute mark, all right? So I, I, I uh, this is not going to be a short episode, uh, but I will still try to keep it to 15 minutes. Uh, so anyway... I've not seen the second uh, series of ones, but I hear they're really good. Um, but back to Richard. It, it, everyone knows about Richard Third. When people talk about Shakespeare and Rich, King Richard, they automatically think of Richard Third, And Richard Third is amazing. My first episode involved Richard. Um, Richard Third, rather. Um, but this one is so amazing. And it just entrapped... It, it enraptured me in its... Strange. It's it's such a strange play. Um, And then I fell deeper in love with it later on, uh, years later, when I I think it was the National Theater in England. um, Or it might have been the RSC. I can't remember um, who did it. But um, it was a production of Richard II starring um, the doctor himself. Uh, my doctor, uh, <laughs> David Tennant, um, as the uh lead role, and I got that on video, and I watched it. It was, it was really, it was good, and he was good. It was a little difficult to get used to his hair. It was a little distracting. He had really long hair, and it was yeah distracting a little bit. Um, But even then, I couldn't get past the the Ben Winslow one. Um, So let me get into a little bit of what this play is about. It's actually very simple in terms of plot. Um, It's basically Richard has this... There's this argument going on between these two characters, one of whom happens to be uh, Henry Bolingbroke, the future Henry VI. And through... Basically, his great, either his father or his grandfather or his great-grandfather, I, I don't know offhand, was, you know, brother to the one of the past kings. Um, so he has a, a claim to the throne um, as well as, uh, as Richard does. Um, but Richard is king because he came from the line of kings that was the firstborns and whatever uh so he's legitimately king and and so henry has this argument with someone else they have a duel and the king decides you know one of you is going to live one of is going to die and then whoever that is you know but then he stops it and then is like you know what i'm banishing both of you and so he banishes both of them from england and then he's in a war with ireland and decides hey these two people i just uh banished um I know the law says I can't do this, but I'm the king. I'm going to say I can. I'm going to take their property and their money um, because Henry's father dies uh, and I'm going to use it to fund my Irish wars. So Henry's pissed. He comes back home uh, to rectify what is his because even though he's banished, he's still due, uh what is his under the law. and So he comes to try and collect it and he takes his anger out on he basically has an uprising against who he believes to be enemies of the king. Of course, he says he's not going after the king, but all these people that are next to him that are kind of leading him down the wrong path. Of course, this ends up where all these kind of things end up, which is he basically forces Richard, he captures Richard, forces him to abdicate and give up the throne and then has him executed, um, or assassinated, rather, in prison. Um, and the character arc of Richard goes from this very spoiled, unlikable uh, brat of a king who's all about you know the divine right of kings and his divine right to a very, as he loses everything, is it's all stripped away from him. And in some ways, very humiliatingly so, he become has this poetic insight. He becomes his poetry becomes more beautiful and more grand, and his insight becomes more concise and more overwhelming. And then he dies almost a martyr, in a way, which is a very strange kind of character arc. And Henry is kind of left with this scar that, and and I story wise, you can kind of read it as this is the, the, the the original sin so do, so you speak of, of Henry and his line and all the kings that come after because all of this you know, leads to rebellion under Henry that Hal helps him put away. Um, Henry has it. Ju- he he's able to avoid it. With his wars in France, but his uh, you know, successor, Henry the Sixth, you know, has to then deal with the trouble of um the other side of the family that wants to be king, and we get the War of the Roses, and then Richard the Third, and then the Tudor dynasty. So it's these this war for succession all flows from this decision to just depose. A sitting king who is rightful king under their law, um, and I found an article that kind of goes into a lot of these aspects that is very interesting. It was written about a 2006 uh, production um, of the of Richard II. Um, I don't know where it is, but it's from the New Yorker, and it was written by uh, Hilton Als. Um, like I said in two thousand six, um, and he says Richard the Second was written in fifteen ninety five, two centuries after the king's rule ended, and the king in this case being Richard the uh, Second, and the same year that Shakespeare produced such finely constructed plays as Romeo and Juliet and A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yet Richard reads at times like an unfinished work or overextent of an overextended author. The first half of the play especially feels unrealized. It's as if the text had been sewn together from two separate plays entirely, a somewhat dull court drama and an early take on the existential themes that Shakespeare parlayed with unquestionable brilliance four or five years later in Hamlet. Uh, He goes on to say, as the play opens, Richard's court life is rife with suspicion. The beloved Duke of Gloucester, one of Richard's uncles, has been murdered. While it generally understood that Richard commanded his subjects, Thomas Mowbray, to arrange Gloucester's execution in order to consolidate his own political power, no one, especially not the remaining members of Richard's royal family, dares at first to confront the king. By this time, in England's long and troubled history, monarchs were considered nothing less than messengers of God's will. Richard's more mature and traditional cousin, Henry Bolingbroke, hopes copes with his rage by projecting it onto Mowbray instead, challenging him to a duel, but before the two men can fight, Richard exiles them both, for Richard one of the best things about being king is his sovereign right to reduce the most complicated problems of this to the size of little annoyances um like a number of shakespeare's other fragmented fractured protagonists richard is a character, is a creature of fashion he places great uh, store in appearances he has a beautiful wife a nice house servants at his beck and call what could he want, more could he want, to become a thinker would be to disrupt the universe as he knows it, and to, with its outward flash and easy pleasures now this is the part of the article that I found really interesting and it talks about one of the most problematic people in Shakespeare criticism in my opinion, Harold Bloom, uh, Harold Bloom in his 1998 book, Shakespeare the Invention of the Human, something I love and hate and own, uh He talks about false stuff way too often. Anyway, that's another episode entirely. He writes, Since we are not meant to, to like Richard, and no one could like the usurper, Bolingbroke, Shakespeare has little trouble distancing us from the only actions of the play, abdication and murder. Indeed, by the time Bolingbroke gathers his forces, ousts the petulant king, and claims the throne, it hardly matters to us. Richard is not part of the drama. He is just the intermittent cause of it peripheral to our experience of the play until that is he suffers the loss of his kingdom his wife and his holdings and embarks on transformation from spoiled monarch to indignant poet here in acts 3 and 5 in soliloquies of breathtaking angst Richard becomes more human or at least more of a character with whom we can identify before Richard's defeat and abdication Um, and it talks about the performance of the plays. Uh, Once Richard is imprisoned, however, with his long body folding in on itself, stripped of his dark suit and shiny dance school shoes, he shows us the burden of his awareness. Um, Richard puts aside his vanity, opens his heart and mind sufficiently to understand ours. In prison, he is a martyr to time wasted. Now that he has finally begun to think, he has too little time to complete his thoughts. And I'll leave you with this. Um, You really need to give this play a read. Um, I highly suggest tracking down the Ben Winshaw uh, production of it. Just search the Hollow Crown series, Richard II, um, and give it a watch. It's amazing. They really adapted it for film and made it very filmic, so... Any apprehension you may have in terms of not understanding the history plays, especially because they're so historical, so to speak, and not like a history we're all very familiar with either. Um, they do a really good job at making it. It doesn't matter that you don't know. You can know nothing. I knew nothing, really, uh, about Richard the Second and the whole aspect of it. And it still blew me away. I highly suggest if you start anywhere, start there and you will you will have a better appreciation for this play. And I'll leave you with one, not my favorite quote from, uh, from the play, but it is a very good one, and it's referenced here in this article. I have been studying how I may compare this prison where I live unto the world. And for because the world is populous and here is not a creature, but myself I cannot do it, yet I'll hammer it out. My brain I'll prove the female to my soul, my soul the father, and these two beget a generation of still-breeding thoughts. And these same thoughts people this little world in humors like the people of this world. For no thought is contented. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You have a great day, and may the Bard be with you. The program you just listened to is a part of the Potomania Broadcasting Network. For more shows like these, please visit scofieldstreet.com slash pbn for more shows and more information.